Um, Our reading today comes from Romans 12, verses 1 through 5. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you for this room, and I thank you for this people. I feel like a bundle of energy right now, and so I just ask for a little bit of calm. And yeah, I just, we ask this all the time here, but I just pray that you would give us eyes to see Uh, your work in this room and your work in us and your work around us. And then will you also give us the courage to join in what you're doing? And pray that um, this morning as we begin something for the summer, that um, you would do a transformational work in our lives and a transformational work in this room in a way that uh, impacts our community. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I'm a bundle of energy for lots of reasons, uh, but one is because we're starting uh, a new series this morning that's going to take us through uh, the whole summer, Uh, and I say this every time, but I'm really excited about it, Um, but uh, the the lectionary, which is the church calendar, it's like a a, a calendar of scriptures that churches all over the world uh, follow, the lectionary um, takes, during the summer, takes uh, the church through uh, just like some I don't know, some bits and pieces of the book of Romans. Um, And we uh, follow, we like sit close to the lectionary. Um, Sometimes we follow it exactly. Sometimes we veer off a little bit. Um, But our way of sitting close to the lectionary this summer is we are going to um, also uh, take the summer to spend some time in Romans. But we're only going to be in one chapter, uh, Romans 12. And we are going to spend the entire summer, like a couple of months, in Romans 12. I joked when we were praying um, with the kids' workers and stuff this morning. I was like, maybe at the end we'll understand it. We'll all find out together. Um, uh, If you've ever spent much time reading Paul or uh, especially reading Romans, then you probably understand why it takes a couple of months in one chapter. Um, I can promise you it is anything but boring. Romans was, uh, as I said, written by Paul. And if you're familiar with Paul's writings, he can cram more stuff into one chapter than anyone else in the scriptures, but also maybe any writer I've ever read. Uh, He puts so much in. Um, And so we're going to spend this summer in this chapter because this chapter is full of uh, Paul talking about what kind of culture the Spirit builds in us uh, as Jesus followers, but also uh, what kind of culture the Spirit builds in a church that leads to transformation, transformation of people transformation of spaces, transformation of communities, and things like that. And so those will be the eyes uh, that we see. So here is my plan uh, personally. I really, we were going to read the whole chapter this morning, um, but Chris uh, doesn't go full-time till next week, and so I figure I'll just let him read part-time verses today. But... (laughs) 
maybe next week he gets to read full-time verses um, and read the whole chapter, but um, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but my personal plan for this summer is I'm just going to spend every week working my way through Romans 12. Um, it's short enough that you really could do it every day if you want to join along with me or break it up into uh, chunks and just read a little bit every day. Um, but it is a good rhythm and a good practice to read things over and over and over again. Like things uh, that you didn't see before kind of come alive when you spend um, more time in the same thing. So that's my plan. Join me if you want. Um, okay, before we uh, really jump into Romans 12 today, to, to kind of set up where we're going, I want to tell you about something that uh, caught my attention recently. Um, it's summer. I guess, is it technically summer yet? When does summer begin? June something? Okay, well, it's hot, okay? Um, so, so it's summer, and it's hot, and I don't know if this works for you, but my music tastes uh, tend to change with the weather. Uh, I was going to say with the seasons, but I really think it's just with the weather. Um, and so, like, when um, uh, late spring, early summer, when I can drive with my windows down comfortably, my music automatically changes. Like, um, and I don't want to offend anyone here, uh, but I'm not really a country music fan. Um, but when those windows come down, baby, <laughs> I am a, I, like, 19, so much Garth Brooks is happening in my car with the windows down. My kids are over. They're like, can we please stop listening to Kid Cudi and Common? I'm like, you need smooth rap when you roll the windows down. They're like, please don't say smooth rap anymore. Um, but my main summer uh, music lately has been Credence Clearwater Revival. Any CCR fans in the house? I thought there was going to be like one. Oh, this is delightful. Okay, so um, so this is maybe why this is on my mind because I have been listening to a lot of CCR. Um, so here's what I read recently. Okay, if, um, if you don't know uh, CCR, they were huge a whole lot of years ago. Um, and it's wild because they were one of the biggest bands in the country, um, but it was very, very quick. Like they were so big and then they were just gone. Um, uh, CCR exploded in the late 1960s. Like, they became a band in 1967 uh, with John Fogarty as their frontman and songwriter and, and all of the things. Um, it, this is true. In 1969, when it was still like Beatles mania, in 1969, CCR sold more records than the Beatles. That's how huge they were. They were absolutely enormous. Um, and then by 1972, they had broken up and we didn't hear from CCR uh, again, and part of the reason for that uh, is because this band, um, CCR, their original contract in the 1960s, in 1967 when they became a band, they signed as teenagers, and this contract was bonkers. Uh, basically, this band signed a contract that gave all ownership and all rights of their songs to their manager and their record label, so they owned nothing. Like some of the biggest hits of all time, Proud Mary, uh, Bad Moon Rising, uh, mine and Graham's favorite summer hit, Have You Ever Seen the Rain? I really want to sing it to you, but you're welcome for not. Um, are not owned by the man who wrote them or the band who turned them into what they are. Instead, they're owned by a man named Saul Zentz. Ever, anyone ever heard of him? I was going to give you 20 bucks. If, did someone say yes? Okay, I owe you tw Jan? Oh, I owe you 20 bucks. Okay, okay. I'll Venmo you. Um, 
<laughs> okay, Saul Zitz um, was the manager of CCR and other people, worked for a record label, and he owned everything. It's like, to put it in today's term, it's like the original Scooter Braun Taylor Swift drama for all you Swifties in the house. Okay, that's what's happening uh, with these two people. And for 50 years, uh, there have been legal battles over the rights of CCR songs. 50 years. For 50 years, John Fogarty has been in court fighting this bonkers contract that he signed as a teenager. And the reason that I read about it is because this year, 2023, this year, this January, John Fogarty finally won in court uh, the rights to his own music that always actually belonged to him. I just paused like you're going to applaud. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I think it's incredible. 50 years later, he finally owns what has always belonged to him, what has always been part of him. And here's why I was thinking about this. One, because I read it recently. Uh, but two, because this passage in Romans that we're going to spend the next couple of weeks and months on um, is a message from Paul to the people of the church, essentially saying, uh, don't let outside forces control your life. Don't let the world uh, control your life. Don't get into a bonkers contract with something uh, outside of yourself to what actually belongs with you. And he's saying, give control of your life to the one to whom you belong. Give control of your life to the one who made it, to the one it's always uh, belonged to. You don't want to look back after 50 years and wish you had handled things differently. Uh, I want to read the first two verses that, that Chris just read to us. We use the New Living Translation here at Springbrook, but I want to read them to you in a different version of the Bible uh, called The Message uh, because it's some of my favorite of uh, Eugene Peterson's like poetic retellings of Scripture. Um, and, and, and this is how he writes uh, and, and paraphrases verses 1 and 2. He says this. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. I, I, I love how he starts. I love that he says, so here's what I want you to do. Take your life, your everyday life, and lay it before God as an offering as a living sacrifice, holding uh, to what God has done for you, he says, is the best thing that we can do for God. Uh, the way I read this chapter is Paul writing to Christians everywhere with like a very pastoral hope for him. It's him saying, here's what I want you to do. Follow Jesus. With all that you have and with all that you are, offer yourselves to all that you know of him. Uh, if you want to grow with Jesus, this is how you do it. If, if you're feeling stagnant or lifeless in your faith, remember this. So uh, I just want to briefly talk about what is it that Paul tells us to do? How, how do we actually do those things? 
there's a phrase uh, at the very beginning in, in verse 1 um, that the NLT translates as, give your bodies to God for all that God has done for you. Um, uh, uh, Eugene Peter says it, uh, with Peterson says it, uh, as God helping you. Um, but uh, in the NIV, it's my favorite way to translate this little phrase in that first verse. And, 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 and it says, in view of God's mercy. How, where do we start? How do we grow in faith? How do we overcome faith that's lifeless or stagnant? Paul says we begin, uh, the first step is to see the mercy of God, to see the help of God, to see God's mercy and help in us and God's mercy and help all around us. And I think this is incredibly important because uh, Paul doesn't start out his message uh, with fear. It isn't, hey, do this, follow God, or something real bad's going to happen to you. He doesn't start that way. He starts with mercy. How many of you know that, that uh, fear and mercy are very different motivators, right? Uh, a few years ago, Huck, my youngest, uh, uh, was on a baseball team, and, and the coach was, uh, was a really complicated guy and a, a, a really um, kind of difficult guy, and he, he screamed uh, constantly. Uh, he was impossible to please, uh, particularly if you were his son. And I don't know if you've ever watched a child uh, play a sport solely out of fear, but it is a heartbreaking thing to watch. Uh, and his son, he was a really good ball player, but he was terrified. I would argue he was paralyzed uh, with fear. Like uh, he couldn't make any decisions that need to be made on the field because he had to consult with his dad first. And so it's like balls will be like baseballs come completely at him and he's looking at his dad to see what to do rather than knowing instinctually what to do is honestly kind of dangerous. Um, and and it, it was just this heartbreaking thing. He looked to his dad for everything. Uh, he never uh, could develop his own instincts or his own style of playing the game because he was so terrified all the time. It was heartbreaking to watch. But then the next season, uh, we had the exact opposite experience when uh, Brad Hitch was our coach's son, or our coach's son. <laughs> When <laughs> Brad Hitch was our son's coach. <laughs> you, you were the coach of son at Wilmer. Um, and let me tell you, that was a huge difference. Um, on that team, kids played as, as people who, who felt safe. And they played as, as, as kids who felt like they had been helped. Like they, and they knew this on the field and they knew this off the field. Um, and here's how they knew it, because at a baseball game one time, I think it was Rocky's birthday, uh, Hitch and Evie, who plays violin, or fiddle, sorry, she corrects me on that, um, fiddle for us sometimes, they showed up and they sang happy birthday with instruments. Did you have a harmonica? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I, has, have you ever had a coach do this? Like, sing happy birthday to a kid? Uh, Brad said later, some of the parents were like, mm, I mean, it's baseball, <laughs> but... It, 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 is the, it is the difference of, of coaching out of fear and coaching out of delight. Paul says that at the beginning of everything, of growing faith, of refreshing faith, the beginning of all of it comes with the view of God's mercy for us. Flourishing happens when God's mercy is always and forever in our sight. Uh, we don't follow Jesus out of guilt or fear or shame, but because of the mercy of God. The delight of the Father in us, the, the help of the Father for us, the great love of the Father for us. Paul says, we follow Jesus with the mercy of God always and forever in our sight. And then steps come next. Uh, the next step that Paul says is, is he says, offer God everything. 
the ordinary as much as the extraordinary. He tells us to lay our lives in front of, of God like a sacrifice uh, to be dealt with however a merciful God would do. I have, I have a friend who has a tattoo that essentially means uh, to be open to the divine, to be open to the will of the divine. This is uh, what we're talking about here. Life with Jesus begins with our sight on the mercy of God who made us and loves us and calls us his own. And, and our next step is to open ourselves to the will of that someone, to the will of that divine presence giving us, uh, giving all that we know of us to all that we know of him. And Paul says that this offering, this sacrifice, uh, it becomes a lifestyle of worship. If, if that last song that we sang gave you tingles, that's kind of the thing that we're talking about. This, this ability that we have to create a lifestyle of, of submitting to what God is doing in a room or what God is doing in us. It's, it's the place that, 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 that from which we submit ourselves to the rhythms and the practices and the power and the presence of God in us and in the world as a regular discipline. And Paul tells us that it's, it's through this lifestyle of worship, uh, through this uh, sacrificing, submitting ourselves to the habitual rhythms of grace, uh, that we are not conformed but transformed to the very likeness of Christ. That's kind of the end goal, to be transformed into who Jesus is. Uh, when I was young, I did this thing in our church called Bible drill. Uh, some people call it sword drill. Anyone else? Okay. So some of you are like, ooh, but I loved it. And here's why. It turned the Bible into a competition. And I, I love a competition if I think I can win at it. Like, if I don't think I can win, I don't care. But if I think I can win, I care. And I very much cared about Bible drill. Um, it might sound awful to you, but essentially what it was is like um, <laughs> teaching kids uh, how to memorize verses and flip very quickly in the Bible to compete against other people in their own church or other churches, as good Christians do. You know, that's, that's, that's what this was. Um, and anyway, I have all of these verses, the benefit of it, um, once I could like shed the Christianity is not a competition, dear God, um, <laughs> once I could shed that part, what remains in me, the good stuff that lingers, is that I have all these verses memorized, um, but, but I memorize them in a different version than, than what we do, and, and one of them is, is, is uh, part of what we read today. Um, and I memorize in NIV, that's what we use in Bible drill, and this is what I memorize. Uh, do not be conformed to the past patterns of this world, but be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind. That's the verse. Do not be conform conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we experience a transformation in our inner lives? How do we uh, grow in our faith or, or overcome uh, the lifelessness that faith can sometimes take on? We do it with mercy in our sight, and then we offer ourselves to the God who made us and who loves us. And then we allow him the access and the authority to reshape us into something more holy. To transform us by the renewing of our own minds. To bring a, a transformation into uh, all of the places that the world is offering us uh, conforming. Uh, J.B. Phillips paraphrases it like this. I love his way of saying it too. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good. So here's what I want to do for the uh, rest of our time today. Uh, 
I preach short on purpose um, because it's weird for me uh, to start something out talking about allowing God to transform us without taking time to try it and to just like practice this. I, I say this a lot around here, but I, I grew up hearing um, that I should do the things that we've talked about today, that I should um, spend time with Jesus or create rhythms in my life that allow God to grow and form me. But I felt like um, it was rare for someone to tell me how to actually do that. Like, like what are you supposed to tangibly do? And so uh, it is very important for me here at this church, not just to talk about stuff like this, but to actually practice it uh, together. And so we're going to do something uh, this morning that is kind of a regular practice uh, for us around here. There are cards like um, randomly distributed uh, on your rows. And then there are plenty in the back. Actually, Chris is going back there. You can raise your hand if you need one and he'll, he'll, he'll bring you a card um, if, if you would like one. But um, this is something we do kind of regularly around here. It's a prayer practice that comes from uh, an, an old priest named St. Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, he uh, created the Jesuits, if you're familiar with them. And, and uh, what Ignatius talked about, uh, when he talked about this practice, he talked about it referencing some of the verses that we uh, read today. Um, he talked about it, uh, and the verses we'll read over the next few weeks. He, he, this prayer practice for Ignatius was something that he would do as a rhythm uh, every single day of his life in order to examine the congruence of his life. Where am I lining up with who uh, I, I want to be? Where am I lining up with who God uh, is making me to be? And it's a practice that Ignatius credits as uh, uh, one of the ways that God would transform and renew his mind is by praying this prayer every single day. Um, if this is uh, new to you, uh, the cards might be a really uh, helpful thing. Um, but essentially, the examine uh, prayer uh, is, is a practice that does a few things. It begins the way Paul tells us we're supposed to begin today. Um, it, it begins with a, a kind of becoming awake or becoming aware uh, of God's presence. of God, And to become aware of God's presence is to become aware of his mercy because that is who he is. And so uh, that's how it begins. And then essentially um, with that mercy in mind, with that view of God in mind, you would review uh, your day or the last couple of days. And you kind of go through things. In my mind, I do it sort of like a movie screen, just like, okay, I woke up and then I did this and then I talked to this person or whatever. Um, and then as you review those things, you start to see that there are some things that went well and there were some things that went not so well. Uh, the Ignatian word for that is uh, desolations and consolations. There are ways that we showed up that we wish we hadn't. And there are ways that we showed up that, that we showed, or someone else maybe showed up in, a, in an amazing way that encouraged us or, or, or whatever. And so you kind of review things. And, and then you see what bubbles up to the surface. What, is, um, what has a lot of, like, feeling around it or emotions around it or, or uh, maybe, like, um, conviction around it or comfort around it. Um, because uh, those places, Ignatius would argue, uh, that those places, um, the, the places where we feel a lot of feelings or emotions, uh, those are the places where we experience, uh, this, they're like these prime breeding grounds for transformation. That it's in those things bubbling up to the surface that, that God wants to move in and speak to and transform uh, in us. And then the prayer uh, simply ends uh, with a resolve for how to live moving forward. Uh, for me, if, you're, if you go to one of our core groups here, we use Discovery Bible Study, and we usually um, end it with something called an I will statement. I will whatever, and that's kind of the resolve. So um, I, I love this prayer. It has been uh, personally very transforming and renewing. It's like a refreshing practice for me in my whole life. 
Um, in seasons where I take like five or ten minutes to do this in a day, uh, those seasons are often marked by transformation for me or by refreshing for me or by renewing for me. Um, it's not like a, a magic uh, prayer, uh, but there is something that happens through a regular rhythm of examining, uh, examining our own lives uh, before God. So I hope this is something that you'll take with you. Uh, maybe try a few times a week this summer. Um, I would be very curious to know how it goes for you um, because this practice isn't just something to do in this room. It's something that we can do outside of this room as well. So um, here's how we're going to do it today. Uh, we are going to use this structure, but we're going to take a little bit of a different spin on it. And so um, you can do this in however it works for you. If you want to just like close your eyes and sit quietly, that's great. Um, on the back of that card, is it's just a wide open space. So if you're a journaler, you can write it down. There should be pins. Um, all around. Uh, you can do that. If you're like, this is weird, and I thought you were just supposed to talk for 45 minutes, and I don't really want to do your thing, then the great news is I think Daniel or Brad, who are wonderful musicians, are going to be up here, and you can just enjoy the music. That's fine with me. Um, but uh, here's how we do it. I got this uh, practice. Uh, you, if you've been here a while, you've probably seen this book. It's called Reimagining the Ignatian Examine by a guy named Mark Thibodeau, which is a very cool last name. Um, and um, essentially, there are 34 different examined prayers in this book. Um, and so, like, sometimes for a month, I'll try to, like, follow uh, a different one every day. It usually takes me about two months. Um, but uh, this is a great resource if, if you're looking for something to deepen this practice in your life. Um, uh, no one ever takes me up on this, but I mean it. If you email me, I will buy you this book. Um, uh, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to use a, a, a little bit different structure. We're going to take a moment and all together just become aware of God's presence in the room. And then we're going to uh, review in three different ways. We're going to look at our lives uh, and review our lives with God. We're going to look at our, uh, the view of our lives in relationships with other people. And we're going to look at our lives um, in view of ourselves and how we are experiencing ourselves. Um, and I will lead you. I will lead you through it, um, and there will be lots of silence, and we're just going to try it together. Sound good? Okay. So before we get started, let's just all take one big collective breath. Like, just take a breath in and break it up. There's nothing magic about, actually, there is something magic about breathing. It's called oxygen, but take a big breath. And then whatever posture you want. You can close your eyes, open your eyes. I don't care what you do. Your choice. Uh, but together, let's take a few minutes to become aware of God's presence in this room. And as we become aware of God's presence, let's um, specifically, as Paul instructs us, become aware of God's mercy. Let's put God's mercy in view before we move forward in any sort of way. Okay, so with the mercy of God in full view, um, let's just take a minute to reflect. We're going to start by reflecting on our relationship uh, with God. And so just spend a few minutes uh, talking to God about it. How, how do you feel like your relationship with God is going? Are you getting along well? Do you feel close or distant? Uh, do you get uh, the sense that God is close to you when you call from him? Or do you uh, maybe feel that absence 
you think of your relationship with God, do you feel joy or gratitude or shame or fear? Just uh, take a few minutes to, to um, be in the presence with God and think on and speak on your relationship with Him. Ask Him to reveal to you His perspective also. How do you feel about, how does He feel about you? We'll just sit there for a minute. next and if you want to stay there stay in that one you can stay there the whole time but um, if you um, feel like you're ready to move on then let's spend a few minutes um, just sort of in reflection and review um, about your relationship with others those around you Um, how has your disposition been lately when you are around others do you show up as grumpy or friendly or passive or affirming avoidant Is there a particular relationship that has been unusually good in this season of life? And then the inverse question as well, is there a particular relationship that has been unusually sour or distant or difficult in this season of life? And we'll just take a few minutes and speak to God, think through these things in the presence and mercy of God. How are your relationships? to the next step Uh, and reflect and review your relationship with your own self Um, first question do I like myself right now am I proud of myself or mad at myself tender with myself harsh with myself and what factors in my life have contributed to the way I feel about myself take a few minutes in light and view of God's mercy and be honest about our reflection of ourselves.
last thing, as you look over these three reflections, relationship with God, with others, and with yourself, um, which one of them felt maybe the most powerful or maybe had a little more sauce on it than the others? And would you take a few minutes and just sit in that space again? Um, maybe there's something that is coming to light that you're like, I, I need to ask for forgiveness here, right? There's some sort of movement. Maybe God has something for you uh, around this thing. So we're just going to give one more minute and um, not try to manufacture something, but allow God to maybe uh, press in um, in a transforming way on uh, one of those specific things. resolution to be made? Is there something that you could put into a sentence that starts with, I will? Based on your experience in this prayer, is there something you feel the Spirit asking you to move on? Maybe it's an apology to someone else. Maybe it is a, um, a resolution to be more gentle with yourself. Maybe it is um, some sort of stance before God. I'll, I'll give you one more minute to say, uh, answer this question. God, what specifically can I do tomorrow or today regarding this thing. to keep looking inside ourselves um, and with the peace and the courage uh, to move in whatever way you might be asking us. And thank you that when you speak, it is out of truth and love and not out of shame. And so I pray that for whatever part of us might have felt shame in this, I just ask that you would get rid of it in the name of Jesus. In your name we pray.